Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. It's hard to transition into the message because of what we just experienced in, in worship. Right? I'm just an emotional dude. I'm not soft, I'm emotional. Big difference. I, look, I, if I'm playing horse in the backyard with my son, I'm screaming when I win, right? We're grilling out hot dogs for like 5,000 people on Thursday around noontime. And I'm screaming because the hot dogs, like just trying to keep up. I just, I feel it. Like I feel like we're in the locker room and, and, and we just have this like adrenaline thing happening. And I just, man, what an amazing time in worship. And it's so amazing how much you learn about God when you participate in worship. As you read the lyrics of those songs and you begin to sing those songs, you learn so much about God. That's part of the purpose in worshiping together is we learn about God. And I know that when we sing, he's more than able, that we really mean it. And when we sing, he's not done with me, he's not done with us. And we sing that because we believe he's not done. Our story is absolutely not over. And I feel like it's sort of in line with where we're going um, this morning. And you'll see that for yourself here momentarily. So we're gonna get going into this morning's message, Romans chapter 12 verse one. I think that's about all we'll get into here today. And so for those of you who who are familiar with this, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you're not, we won't be standing up and down every time we read the Bible. We just do it the first time we read our primary text. It's just a reminder that this is God's holy word. If you don't have a Bible and you'd want to have a Bible, we've purchased Bibles for you. They're out on the high top tables right outside these doors. Feel free to go and grab one. Uh, there's Spanish and there's English, so take the one that you uh, would like, and, uh, and that's just a little gift from us uh, to you. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment that we have right now to gather together, to worship you together, to learn your holy word together. Father, we don't take this day lightly. This is not just another Sunday, Father. This is a very important Sunday. This is a Sunday where we come and we're refilled, we're realigned, and we thank you for that. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak directly to our hearts. God, use me this morning to speak life, your life, into others. And may I just be an instrument in your hands. God, thank you for every person sitting in this room today, standing in this room today, every person watching online, live or, or recorded. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you freely. We thank you for that. In, precious, in Jesus' precious name we pray and together everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, for 20-something weeks now, we've been working our way through one single book in the Bible. And we've taken in a lot of knowledge and we've gained lots of understanding on this theme, being made right with God. And each Sunday, I, I, I hope you realize this, every Sunday we take an hour and 15 minutes or so and we lean in, we lock in, right? We engage in worship and we also learn God's word. And then after that Sunday morning experience, then we've got the week to deal with, Monday through Saturday. And for many, that, that can be a very trying week. For many in the last just several months, as we've been in this series, 
you've had maybe some of your worst days. Maybe you've experienced some really hard times as we've been walking through this series. Or others, maybe you've had some of your best days. Maybe you got married during these last few months or, or you've brought a child into, into this earth. Or, or maybe you've been transitioning at work into a great paying position or, or something. But there's been all this life happening because life is real, as JJ alluded to. Man, there's real life out there to deal with. And it's hard for me to manage learning all these things about who God is, who God is for me, what he did through his son Jesus for me. It's, it's tough for me, but I believe that you're here this morning for a reason. I believe you're here because A, you truly have a desire to know God and to be known by God, or B, maybe you're here because somebody invited you and said, I'll take you to, to lunch for free if you come to church with me. So maybe you're sitting next to your mom because she made that deal with you or your girlfriend or a coworker, whatever. But, but if, for those of you who are like me, the question I've been asking as we walk through this series is, now what? What do we do with all that we now know? How do I actually live this out? And what I think Paul is saying in this one verse is exactly what we need today. And when I say we, listen, I, I'm referencing every person in this room. And as you walk, you know, I walk in and out of this room a lot. I know that there's people who sit out into a corner or they maybe hide up in the balcony or they try to find themselves in the middle of a lot of people because you don't want to have conversations with people. You find yourself in, in, in a tough space today, no conversations. I just want to get in and I want to get out. I just want you to know, I believe with all of my heart, truly, with all of my heart that this verse has something for every single person sitting in this room today or watching um, online. Here's what we know. We know this, that there is a big difference between knowing and doing, right? We know exactly what we should be doing, uh, but we don't actually always do it. So I'm going to do a little exercise with you. I'll do the first two by myself, and I'd like for you to participate once you catch on. So the first one would be this. We know that we should eat healthy and exercise regularly, but we know we should watch less TV and read more good books, but now it's your turn to participate. We know we should spend less money and save more. We know we should stop scrolling and wasting time on social media. We know we should spend more quality time with our spouse and with our kids. We know that we should control our temper and control our tongue. We know we should be more patient and more understanding. We know we should serve more and give more. And we know we should pray more and have more accountability. And it's not all about just knowing. You know, knowing is important. I went to Bible school. It costs a lot of money. It's, it's very important to know. But for Christians, for believers who this letter was written to, for, for Christians, it's mostly about doing, not talking. I'm not talking about good works like that kind of doing. I'm talking about what, what good is it if all we have is great knowledge, but it's never applied? What good is it? What good is the knowledge that we've obtained and, and the, the understanding that we've gained? If it's never applied, maybe it's better said even beyond doing, you know, that we are becoming. The more we learn about Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. Paul, I believe, explains how. For sure this is true, that the biggest gap in life that continues to haunt the capital C church in terms of our witness 
is the gap between knowledge and application, what we do and how we live. It eats at me. It eats at me daily. I am knowledge rich and often action poor. And I can do better. And I believe for many of you, you can do better. And I believe for all of us, we can do better. Romans 12, 1, the, the, we're going to start here and we're going to stop as soon as we start. The first two words in the NLT says, and so. In the NIV, it's therefore. In the Phillips translation, I love this one, it's with eyes wide open. We're going to stick with therefore because I believe that therefore is really important. Important for us to just stop for a moment. Let's think about the word therefore. Therefore simply means for that reason. When it says therefore, coming out of chapter 11 into chapter 12, therefore means for that reason. It's a transition word. Some argue that it's the most important therefore in the book. But after I've explained everything up to this point, here is the application. That's what therefore is doing. After all that you've learned, here's the application. So think of the word therefore as a magnifying glass where you take this big idea and you zoom into an important aspect of, of the idea. It says, we've discussed this big truth. Now here is why it matters. That's what the therefore is there for. Now let's talk about the big truth for a moment. What have we learned in chapters 1 through 11? We've learned a lot. They're all online. If you, if, if you have just been here recent. You haven't caught this series. Listen, on our website, cvchurch.org, you click messages and then you can click the series, which is the Roman series. Once you click that, all of our series are there in order. I would encourage you over your commute for the next several weeks to just begin to listen to these and you'll see all where we've been. We've learned a lot. And I believe that the appropriate response to what we've learned should be obedience. 20-something messages later, we've learned a lot about the grip of sin, and we've learned about the freedom from that grip and the undeserved grace of God, trust that requires our full self in the wheelbarrow. And just last week, just, just last week, we learned that trying never gives us the results like trusting God does. We've learned a lot. We've gained a lot of knowledge. We've chewed and chewed and chewed and chewed and absorbed all of this from the living word of God. So the question is now, what are we going to do with all that we've learned? What are we gonna do with all that we've been learning? We gotta apply it. James 1, says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Nothing in this world, absolutely nothing in this world is more powerful than a transformed life. Transformation is the direct result of application. And as we sung this morning, our story's nowhere near over. The transformation story of your life is not over yet. Romans 12, 1 continues, and so, or therefore, brothers and sisters, writing to believers today, He's writing to believers today, writing to believers then, writing to believers today. I plead with you. And another important place for us to just pause because I think it's interesting that Paul pleads. Paul is appealing to our will. He's appealing to their will. 
To plead is an emotional appeal. Parents, the emotional appeal to your children, please don't do that. Please think about what you're doing, the emotional appeal. Paul could not make this choice for all of the believers reading this letter. He couldn't make the choice for them. And he cannot make the choice for you and me today. Paul can't make that choice for you. So instead, he urges, he pleads, he beseeches, right? My dad, who is a pastor, been a pastor my entire life, all my life, he has urged me or pleaded with me to follow Jesus because he recognized that's one decision he cannot make for me. So he can plead with me. He can urge me, but he cannot make that decision for me. Matter of fact, nobody solid in your life today can make that choice for you either. Only I can make the choice on how I choose to live. Only you can truly make the choice on how you live your life. And honestly, this gives us a beautiful picture of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life every day. Every day the Holy Spirit pleads with you, urges you. He comes and whispers you, calling you to be holy, right? To come, to, to, to be set apart. He cannot make that decision for you. He is God, but he cannot make that decision for you. That's why we see Paul pleading, appealing to our will, because truly that's the only decision we can make. He goes on in Romans 12, 1 to say, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. I love this in the NIV translation. It says, in view of God's mercy. Can you imagine what life is like for you and I when we view our life in light of God's mercy? If that was the lens in which we saw our world, if our worldview was, 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 we had a lens and it was in light of God's mercy for our life. The only thing that saves a human race lost in sin is the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God that you and I are here today. And we need to understand this word mercy. Mercy, the, the, the Greek word for mercy is okitamos, okitamos, which means compassion. Compassion, that's what mercy means. Compassion and compassion-based response of God to the plight of mankind, which is like the unfortunate situation that causes God to forego what we deserve, which is punishment for our sin, and to give us what we do not deserve, which is forgiveness. That's the mercy of God. That is the compassion of God. It is God's compassion that keeps him from giving us what we deserve and giving us what we do not deserve. That is the mercy of God. And when we see our life through this lens every single day, you see how God has put your life together through all the good and through all the painful trying times. As we sing today, you're not done with me yet. There's more to the story. And if you were to just pause, as I have done all week long, and reflect back over the years of your life, you would see that at 17 years old, I made terrible decisions. And at 23 years old, I experienced heartbreak like I've never experienced in my life. And at 30 years old, and 30, just these, all these moments, high moments, extremely low moments, frustrating moments, moments when I too shook my fist at God. And I know that you have your own story as well in those 
those moments you can look back and you can see how God has patched your life together, including all the good and also including all the bad, only because of God's mercy. You are where you're at today because of God's mercy, not because of your intellect, not because of your ability to reason, not because of your gift to conflict, uh, manage, none of those things truly because of God's mercy. And it is so healthy for us to see our life every day through the lens of God's mercy, of God's mercy. The proper response of every believer to this mercy is absolute surrender. It's an absolute surrender. Continuing in the verse, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Living sacrifices of gratitude and praise are appropriate sacrifices to be made by those who live only by the mercy of God. These sacrifices are as much an act of worship of the believer today as the sacrifices of the believer uh, through dead animals in the Old Testament. It's the same. Romans 9.4, remember this? He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promise. The root word for that, for, for that word worship is letreu, which means to serve. Interesting enough, God was served in the Old Testament by sacrifices of property and animals by the believer, but he is served in the New Testament by living sacrifice of the believer. Paul is urging us, pleading with us to not make a sacrifice, but to be a sacrifice. That's the difference we no longer make a sacrifice, we become the sacrifice. And I know that it can seem a little dark to think about our lives as a sacrifice, you know, wrapping our minds around this idea of choosing to place ourselves on an altar, a place of death. But it is what we ought to do in our hearts every single day. It's how we ought to start our day. It's, our, it's, it's, how we, it's how we manage every decision that we make, fully surrendered to God. Every conversation that we have, fully surrendered to God. Every single transaction, fully surrendered to God. Uh, our plans, fully surrendered to God. All of our great big goals, fully surrendered to God. All of our money, fully surrendered to God. Our very will, fully surrendered to God. Paul is urging, pleading with believers to be fully surrendered to God. That is a living sacrifice. The picture of sacrifice is a beautiful metaphor of believers on God's altar offering their whole life every single day. You want to know what worship looks like? You ever wondered what worship looks like? I mean, we just sang for 25 minutes and called that worship. That is worship. When you give, when you give generously, that is worship. But you want to know what the truest picture of what worship looks like? It's a living sacrifice. That's worship. A follower of Christ who chooses daily to place his or whole life as a living sacrifice. The verse ends with, this is truly the way to worship him. Now let's, I'm gonna read this to you one more time. 
And I want you to realize something. This is what I realized this week. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you in light of his mercies. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. You may be asking the question this morning, how do I worship God? The verse finishes by saying, this is truly the way to worship him. So as valuable as Sunday morning is to us, that hour and 15 minutes when we lock into worship and we engage in worship and we sing praises to him and we, and we pray for, for the ministry of this place and we give generously and we listen to the word of God, as much as that is worship, the truest form of worship is what happens Monday morning when you choose to place your life on the altar as a living sacrifice. God, today, every decision, every transaction, every single thing that I do today, I surrender that fully to you. That is worship to God. Worship has always been accompanied by sacrifice, but the form of sacrifice has changed under this new covenant. And we often think it's, it's the singing, it's the giving, no Let's be very clear this morning, it's the living. It's the living. The difference between sacrifice then and sacrifice now is sacrifice then was a dead animal who did not have a will to, to get off the, off the altar. The difference for us is that we are living and every day we get to make the choice to remain on the altar as a living sacrifice knowing that is true worship unto God. And I believe that this is a one size fits all. It's the one thing God wants from everybody, regardless of where you find yourself today. If you have all the money in the world or you have no money whatsoever, God still wants the same thing from the both of you, and that is a life fully sacrificed to him. Regardless of where you find yourself today, the, as God was moving in our time of worship and your heart began to ask the question, God, what do you want from me? God, what is it that you want from me? God, what do you want from me? You know my life. You know everything about my life. You know I don't really have anything. God, what is it that you actually want from me? He just gave us the answer. I want your life. I want you to be a living sacrifice. That is the application of everything we've learned, that we would become a living sacrifice every single day. So our big so what today, this isn't gonna shock you whatsoever. The big so what is it's not about making a sacrifice, it's about being a sacrifice. That's what God wants from you. That's what he desires for you. That's why he has spared your life. That's why he's healed you. That's why he's kept you. That's why he's put you back together again. That's why he's restored you. That's why he's walked with you along the way. That's why he went with you through the valley of the shadow of death, so that you could make the choice to be a living sacrifice. Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That's a choice that only you can make. Nobody can make it for you. Nobody can make this choice for you. And it's a choice that we have to make every single day. It takes many times of hearing this truth for us to actually get it right. We've learned that, being made right with God. It's, consist it's, it's just over and over trying to be made right with God, trying to be made right with God. God's not asking us to dedicate our gifts to him our abilities to him, our money to him, our time, our ideas, our creativity, or any such thing. He's not asking for that. He is asking us as believers to sacrifice ourselves. 
And Oswald Chambers said this, and I loved it so much. He said, we have the idea that, when we can, that, when, that we can dedicate our gifts to God. However, you cannot dedicate what is not yours. There's actually only one thing you can dedicate to God, and that is your right to yourself. If you will give God your right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you. And his experiments always succeed. The one true mark of a saint of God is the inner creativity that flows from being totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. That is true worship. That is worship. A fully surrendered life. For years and years and years, those of you who've been in and out of the church, we stand at an altar when we get married. We come to the altar when we surrender our life to Jesus. They will you to the altar when it's time to say goodbye to you at your funeral. The altar is such a special place. It's a place where, for most things, it represents death. It's where we come when we feel most desperate. Every person in this room minus maybe a handful, have made the walk to the altar at some point in your life. And this is a place where very special things take place. And today what I see, I see an altar that God has prepared for every one of us. And the invitation is, would you listen to the pleading of the Holy Spirit, the urging of of the Holy Spirit, the appeal, the emotional appeal to your life, and would your response be, I want to worship you. I give you the right to myself. And I realize that there's people in the room who maybe this will be the first time you ever do that. And I think that's incredible. We've all had that first moment. But I realize that there's a lot of us in this room today who have done this over the course of time. But as of lately, there has not been this intentional focus of every day, my life is a living sacrifice to you, God. And I've lost sight of that. I want you to know that it is possible for you to be worshiping God every moment of every single day by the way you live your life, by the way you take the knowledge gained, by the way you have obtained all this knowledge and all this experience and then you begin to apply it to your life. Nothing is greater than making the choice to be a living sacrifice to be a living sacrifice that is true worship to God it's not about making sacrifice and we spend so much time trying to make such a big sacrifice for God that's not what God wants God wants you to be the sacrifice to be the sacrifice